0: From the library of Maria Menounos, this is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle
1: Online. Hey guys, welcome back to Book Circle Online. I'm your host, Jeffrey Masters, and I'm here today with Nicola Yoon, author of Everything Everything. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you so much.
0: It's so great to be here. Thanks.
1: We're so happy to have you. This is your so this is your first novel and it debuted at number one it on the bestsellers, which
0: is crazy. Enough. That is crazy. What was it, that
1: first moment like when you found was, out? It
0: was you know I got a text that from one of my friends, one of my author friends. She told me like, oh my god, you made the list, and I didn't know until I got on Twitter and everyone said it was number one. I was like, what are you people talking about? Everyone is drunk, really. <laughs> but then my agent called and my editor called and then I really believed it. Wow, I'm still not over it. I'm never gonna get over it. Well, I was gonna say like. Yeah. How Does
1: that sink in ever? No,
0: it does not. People ask me this a lot now. What's it like? I'm like, it's amazing, but sort of unbelievable, too. You, like, feel the yeah. exact same because you
1: can't believe it. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, that's so funny. So this yeah. its your first novel. How long has the story been, like, floating around in your head?
0: Um, you know, it started uh, maybe three years ago because I started writing it when my daughter was four months old, um, and she was the inspiration for the story. Because I was um, a really nervous mom, like I was super, like overprotective. Like I thought she was going to get a cold, and she was going to eat dirt, and she was somehow going to crawl out of my house. <laughs> so that's how the story started. I wondered what life would be like for a girl who always needed protection. You know, like the same way you protect an infant. Yeah. And what life would be like for a mom who always had to protect? So not just as a baby, but as she grew up and became seventeen, eighteen. So that's how the story started. So my little girl actually inspired it.
1: Oh, wow. And I think that's a concern that hopefully, like, good parents have. Yeah. Right? Am I, you want to be protective, but not, like, too protective. Right. yeah. Do you remember the exact moment where you said, okay, this has to be a book and I have to write it?
0: Um, no, it was sort of was sort of kicking around in my head idly. Um, I guess it was more about my dreams where I wanted to be a writer for so long, but I hadn't been doing it. And one day I just sort of had this epiphany where I knew I would tell my little girl one day, hey, you should pursue your dreams and and really go after everything you want, and I wasn't doing it. So that realization combined with the idea, and I just sort of started one day. She was about four months old. I think I had gone back to my job. I remember one morning, I, like, breastfe- like I breastfed her, put her back to bed, and went back to my computer. That went on for a while. Oh, wow. That yeah. back and forth. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, so she's, like, actually inspiring you. Yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> should yeah. happen next? Yeah. Wow. And then you had that picture that went viral. Right, yeah. For everyone that doesn't know, can you just explain it?
0: Yeah, so there's a picture of me and my husband, David, and our little daughter um, for We Need Diverse Books. So they had started this sort of hashtag hashtag campaign and we thought it was important diverse books so we like had this poster that said we need diverse books because of everything in this circle so there was a circle and our daughter stuck her head through it and we took a picture and like we bribed her with dried blueberries to get her <laughs> to actually be in the picture but then john green reblogged it and then it just oh. went everywhere and it was just like it was really trippy oh
1: because your daughter is biracial yes yes oh wow and then that's so that you were in, like, the midst of writing the book at that point.
0: Yes, I was in the midst. And um, I don't typically join things, but this seemed like a really good cause. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's become a full-fledged organization yes. since then. Yeah, now it is. So now we have, like, a board and, you know, we do scholarships and internships and really trying to sort of change the face of the industry.
1: So clearly change takes time. Yeah, uh, since, That's been about a year. How is yeah. like our diversity report card at the moment since then?
0: I mean, we're talking about it, right? So, I mean, I feel like that's always a good thing. Um, you know, in, in Everything, Everything, the main character is half Japanese and half African American. And, you know, this is a book that's doing well. So that's a great thing. Lots of other books hopefully will start, you know, to follow or continue. I mean, we have Sabah Tahir's and Ember in the Ashes. We have Renee Adier's Um, The Wrath of the Dawn so you know books are getting out there and we're having that conversation this is a good thing only positive things have happened yeah
1: absolutely and I like too that the organization is focusing on diversity on the whole
0: right yeah so it's not just racial diversity but you know sort of sexual orientation as well so you know, the whole spectrum of things like um, Adam Silver is more happy than not. You know, that book hit the New York Times list a, a couple of weeks ago now. It's a fantastic book. And, you know, we need more books like this.
1: Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I feel like when like obviously racial representation is not where it needs to be but yeah. sometimes I feel like we honor black actors or actresses and we're like look diversity and we like pat ourselves on the back for right. a couple of days and we feel good but like when was the last time we honored an Asian actor or right. like saw a Muslim on screen.
0: Right like a lot of the conversations end up just being black and white as if there weren't any other like right. underrepresented groups I mean it's it's crazy making. Yeah, yeah diversity yeah.
1: is like more than just racial too yes, like you it said. Is. I agree. And I have to say though as people in the industry talking. Authors, Mm -hmm. Diversity is something that we've had to work really hard for because we're pitched continuously by publicists and the majority of them are like white authors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just because like on the larger scale, they're not either representing diverse authors or the books aren't there
0: yeah i mean i think it's a combination i think that you know sort of getting into the industry is hard um i think you don't get paid very well when you start off in publishing you know so
1: is that across the board or you're saying just for like diverse authors
0: well i mean no one gets paid well right (laughs) but (laughs) because of you know sort of economic disparities then it's harder for minority groups to sort of get into Publishing in the first place, right? Because, uh, to take that right. pay cut or that kind right. of Exactly. Um, so, I mean, and that's why we need, therefore, Spokes is looking at sort of internships and mentorships and that sort of thing, sort of to just get people in the door.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, and then while the book does have, like, a biracial character and touches on sexuality and child abuse, I want to be clear that it's not an issues book at all.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, one of the things I I talk about often is you know, this idea of an issue book versus a non-issue book. So an issue book is a book where, you know, so maybe the main character's gay and the story is actually about coming out. Right. Right. Or versus a non-issue book where the main character is gay and it's a facet of his personality and the story is not about that you know so you know i always like to say what if harry potter had been gay like what changes in the book not that much i don't think right yeah. um so and i think issue books are very important I, I think they save lives like quite literally save lives i think if you're struggling um maybe in a small town with your sexuality and you're trying to come out and you know to people who don't want you to um, and you find a book that says, you know, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, then that will save your life, like quite literally. But I feel like non-issue books too save a life like more in a philosophical sense, like you see that you matter, um, and that you can have adventure stories and love stories. And you know, a story with like, gay Harry Potter, just like, you know, saving the world. Is yeah, fantastic.
1: And and both are necessary. But I, absolutely, both. Absolutely, necessary. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to seem like we're yeah. bashing that, yeah. but I feel like issue books are for the group that like has that issue, whereas yeah. like non-issue books that still talk about those things yeah. are like for a wider audience.
0: Right. But you know, I feel like, like I'd say, a straight white boy, why not read an issue book? Like, you know, what I mean, that's mind-expanding. It yeah. makes you a better person, just in general.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and for books like this that like it has a diverse character and um like a young reader might not be able to find that yeah. when they're looking how can they like know that, like books like this do exist
0: yeah i mean it's a hard thing i mean and i talk about with this with librarians a lot you know about where you shelve these books and i feel like you shelve them in both places right so you shelve them in like if it's a, a book about an issue with a gay character and someone needs that book, they need to find it on that shelf, and that's great. But you also just put it in a general population of books, right? Because the stories are important for everyone
1: yeah I mean also the story to me was just like a fairy tale she's Rapunzel locked away like in her castle
0: right so you know someone else had said that to me a couple people but I did not think of it that way oh really yeah I mean it totally works oh it has so many components
1: being Carla being like the fairy godmother and like like the smoke signals across the houses right
0: I know so but yeah I did not think of it that way um,
1: also like a lot of fairy tales tend to have like one or both parents like out of the picture right yeah and that was like a component yeah like
0: all the Disney movies like the poor mom is dead yeah, it's always the mom. It's <laughs> and we have a great mother-daughter relationship yeah,
1: yeah. for the majority fuck. Yeah, yeah. Uh You tell the story, though, through vignettes and pictures and illustrations and text messages and emails. Mm-hmm. How did you decide to tell the story in that way?
0: Yeah, so that was not something I had planned at the beginning. Oh, really? It was So I write from 4 to 6 a.m., which is kind of a crazy schedule, but I write by hand. I write from you 4 a.m. You stay to 6 up until 4 a.m. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I would die. So I wake up, like, my alarm goes off at 3.45. Wow. And then I get up and I make coffee. When You should not drink coffee at 4 a.m., but I do. Um, and I go to my office and I write. Um, and then one morning I had the idea that because Maddie, our main character, has been trapped in her house her whole life, she would sort of draw the world, like illustrate the world as a way to try to understand it or yes. to get closer to it. So I, I'll tell you how it started. So I decided that she was obsessed with Hawaii because I'm obsessed with Hawaii. Great. Right. So I drew this fish. And it was the Hawaiian state fish. It's called the humuhumu Nuku apua'a.
1: Yeah, wait. Sorry, I didn't look up that word because I was like, "Did she make this fish up?"
0: No, this fish totally exists. I and mean, if you go snorkeling in Hawaii, it's everywhere, and that is why it's a state fish because it's very popular. Tell us the name one more time: humuhumu Humu Nuku Nuku, Apuaa. Okay. My, my three-year-old can totally say that. I taught her how to say it. She's wow. very cute. When she says it. So um I drew it, and I can't draw. I'm like the worst artist in the world. So I woke my husband up, and it was about 4.30 a.m., and I was like, honey, will you please draw me this fish? And I am married to the greatest boy on earth because he got up, and he kissed me, and he made coffee, and he drew me a fish. And wow. that fish is in the book. It's like the same one that's in the book. And that started all the non-traditional elements. I just thought, Maddie, since she's been trapped in her house her whole life, would relate to the world in a non-traditional way.
1: Yeah. And a lot, some of the chapters were very short, be it one or two sentences. These were yeah. like snapshots into Mad- Madeline's psyche. Yeah. It it was amazing just because it was, it was enough. You know, like that's Thank all you. I needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, I really wanted to make it as spare as possible, like, but really try to get to, to Maddie. So anytime I could like maybe replace like a bunch of text with a picture, you know, I thought that's how Madeline speaks, that's how she relates to the world, so I really went for it. Yeah,
1: and I think for a first-time writer to not, like, overwrite that one-sentence chapter, like, it's a pat on the back.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Were were your editors very
1: receptive to the illustrations? Yeah,
0: they really were, I mean, and they actually encouraged me, so at the beginning I wasn't too, like, I thought I liked it, um, and, you know, the reviews and the IMs, I like, oh, this is cool. But then they were like, oh, we love this. You know, you can push that more. So they were really receptive to those ideas.
1: Okay. And th- and those are by your husband as well. Right.
0: Yeah. My husband did all the illustrations.
1: Who we were talking about before this is yeah. writing a book. So yes. it's a very, a very artistic family. Right.
0: Well, we met in graduate school, actually, in Boston. We had our first workshop together. Oh, really? And I thought he was super cute. <laughs> yeah, clearly he agreed with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but no, he was cute. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, I have a couple questions that I just want to warn people watching that they contain spoilers. Yeah. And I'm not going to try to shy away from that. So yeah. you've been warned.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But <laughs> now we can get to the good stuff. Yeah. I just thought it was so interesting towards the end that she has to learn the world and how right. to operate that. Right. How did you... And it's something that is... I've never seen explored like in any medium for an 18-year-old. Right. Who has this like limited understanding? Can you talk about like just writing that and
0: yeah, I mean I think I feel like eighteen year olds or you know teenagers around that age, part of growing up is learning to explore the world right It's learning to figure out your place in it and how you feel about it, so not just how the world works but how you work with it. Um, so it's more of a, me- it's a metaphor for that, too, you know, for that process of becoming.
1: Oh, the process that everyone's going through.
0: Right. I mean, especially as a teenager, because, you know, you're in your parents' house, you're under their rules, and you're under the rules of your teachers, and then at some point you get set free, right? I mean, you leave your house and you go to college, you leave college and you get into the world, and you have to figure out how you relate. You have to figure out what life means to you and, like, how you affect it, too,
1: Oh, wow. So did you go back to, like, that own time for yourself?
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I got a question recently on how I remember being a teenager. But I feel like teenagers are very philosophical, and I tend to be pretty philosophical. I mean, and they're philosophical by necessity because they don't know the world yet, and they really are trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I tend to be like that anyway. Like, I'm sort of obnoxious. I'm like, what does this really mean? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I feel like, you know, I have a lot in common. I have a lot of angst. <laughs> like, I haven't forgotten my angst. I like, I own my angst. I'm all oh, about it. And you yeah. remember that from a high school age? Yeah, no, I mean, I really feel it still to this day. Like, I mean, I really try to figure out, like, what the world, what does that thing mean? If you. Th- you know, sort of extrapolate it to the nth
1: degree. I always hated in high school like these sayings that they had like these are the best years of your life. Right. And I was like, really? Like this is it?
0: No. Like why,
1: why am I going to college? (laughs) But I don't actually like remember large chunks of time Mm -hmm. from like high school.
0: Well, I remember the feeling of questioning and I feel like I still am questioning.
1: And were you brave like maddie like just like jumping no, off the cliff no literally <laughs> no. jumping <laughs> oh no. really
0: no i was really really shy so i'm more like beginning maddie where i lived in books oh well, I yeah see. like i read a lot of harlequin romances <laughs> <It's> <laughs> really bad for your brain you guys but yeah
1: because maddie is trapped at home and is so philosophical journaling and reading so much it gave her like a sense of maturity. And I really appreciated that in her because since she was also like the narrator of the story, it made sense that you writing could do that. Right. just sometimes like it bothers me in books when the character isn't has no reason to be this mature and yet they are Right?
0: yeah Yeah. Maddie had to be a little more mature because she has been trapped in her house right so she has to like figure out how to relate to the world and so she reads an insane amount Yeah. Um, and also she's in this tragic situation so she's become zen by necessity so she has learned how to deal with her tragic life and she's not unhappy she's content she's you know, she's figured it
1: out. Yeah. That, the... Yeah, but like you said, by necessity. Right. I thought that the scene where she's trying on the bathing suit for the first time right. was so interesting because she's, like, figuring out her sexuality at 18 because she's never, like, made eyes of somebody across a bar. Right. She's never been catcalled yeah. on the street. Yeah. And it's just, like, so cool to see, like, a... Like we said, a mature woman for the first time right. discovering it.
0: You know what part of the fun of writing the book too is that especially at the beginning because you know, they start talking by he like he draws on the window and then there's Iams and texts. Um, just making them fall in love with each other's brains, you know, just like by communicating like without the physical body. Yeah. that was really, really fun. So then when she finally sort of is in a room with him, the physicality throws her off because she's not used to it, right? And she's not used to being attracted To someone, or being attractive to someone,
1: yeah, just because there's no experience with that, yeah. And then when two young lovers kiss, it's exciting. But when they like have she's never been touched by like anybody else in any sense, like it was so thrilling. Thank you. Um, Yeah, you're welcome. Towards the end, they do sleep together. As we said, spoilers. Was that scene hard to write, knowing it's for a young adult audience?
0: Um, I'm gonna say no, because I feel like teenagers are way more mature than we think they are. Um, and you think about it I mean you think about physicality and you think about how it feels to be touched and to touch someone and to love them Um, so I mean showing portraying a healthy respectful sort of consensual relationship isn't you know it's something I feel like we should do so it wasn't hard um also like you know I just channel my husband like (laughs) like I say he's a super cute and every interview I've read of
1: you you're like speak very fondly of him (laughs) I like him no it's nice it's nice (laughs) um and going back to the ending too it's her disease is not what we originally thought it was was that always going to be the ending from the beginning yes
0: yes and so the ending is slightly controversial so some people really detest it but yeah that was always the ending um Because it is about heartbreak and the risks you take for love. And also, you know, love is an incredible thing, right? So when I first met my husband, like, I was pretty sure that he was the one, like, when we started dating. Um, And immediately on the heels of that, I thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose him. Like, now I found, like, my perfect boy. And then something terrible is going to happen. And, you know, I'm going to lose that. So love is beautiful. But the potential for heartbreak is, you know, like, if you lose it, it's tragic, um, we had our daughter and that feeling just multiplied, you know, like my heart goes to preschool every day, right? Like she leaves the house and and my husband, my heart goes to work every day, right? If, if I lost them, I don't know how I would survive. And so that's really what the book is about. it's like, love is beautiful, but the risk of loss is so potentially devastating. And, you know, how do you deal with that? Um, you know, loss, like, do you recover? Do you survive? Do you love again? Yeah. And for
1: her at 18, thinking about it, it was like, is it worth the pain it costs? Right.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think it's something that we, I mean, I struggle with, like we all struggle with. Like you say, love is great, but, you know, losing it is terrible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so funny that you're, that's not funny at all. (laughs) 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 But you're saying like, just about like the angst from before, like that has like fallen through like through different phases yeah. of your life right. yeah. is that a weird evaluation no
0: no that's good I, okay. am, I am angsty I know it it's fine <laughs> I am too it's fine
1: <laughs> um, I love this book I heard you're writing a second book as well I am anything with... you can tell us about that
0: Um, I really am not allowed to say but there's a lot of love in it okay. it takes place over one day which like seemed like a good idea when I thought of it <laughs> and oh, now it's wow. like oh my gosh now I'm like writing down to the minute does it take this much time to get from this point to this point.
1: One day, that's like R and J status. Well, what, sorry, Romeo and Juliet. Oh yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: So one day, lots of love.
1: Oh wow. And no titles we can know about right now. Right. No, definitely is not. Is there is there titles that you've set on?
0: I have like a list of titles, some of which I like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, young writer can't <laughs> yeah. well thank you so much. Oh thank you. Yeah. This was so awesome. That thank you. So I agree. Where can everybody find you online? Uh,
0: um I'm at Yoon on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook.
1: Awesome. Well thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right guys, we'll see you next time. Until then you can find all of our content on iTunes, YouTube, and of course book bookcircleonline.com. Goodbye.
0: Bye. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO. Join the circle.